I'm excited to be with Bob Goff. We were hoping that Bob would be at the leadership conference, which we postponed till next year. But Bob Goff is so many things. As a lawyer for 25 years, uh, he is the New York Times bestselling author of this book, which I highly recommend. Love does. I've got a very early copy of this. And one of the things I'm going to ask him about is he gives away his, his telephone number in this book, and it's sold well over a million copies. Uh, and his latest book, Dream Big, is already number three in the New York Times this week. And together with that, he runs a human rights organization. He's a consul to, for Uganda and so many other things. But I don't want to waste any more time in the introduction because uh, he's here. So, Bob, oh. uh, so tell us about your, I want to hear about all your life. So, I mean, you were a lawyer for 25 years, but it's almost by accident that you ended up as a lawyer, didn't you? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I really wanted to be a, a youth minister. Uh, with this organization. And when I applied, they said, you have to raise all your support. So I did. And when I had all the money, I said, so can I do it? And they said, no. <laughs> I think they didn't think I'd be very good with people. So I went to law school. I'm like, why not? And so my real ambition, Nikki, has always been to be available. Uh, just look at the way Jesus was available to people all the time. And we have a great way to do that now. So when I wrote that book, I thought, let me put my cell phone on the last page of every book I write. I get a hundred calls a day. <laughs> it's awesome. I can't get a thing done. I got my first call at four o'clock this morning in this really groggy voice. I'm like, hello. But there's something about that. Like we, uh, you can't decide where you'll be born. You can't decide so many things, how tall you'll be, but you can decide how available you'll be. And it's not for everybody, but um, I just know that that's what Jesus did. He got more and more available as time went by. And I think that's what you're doing. Uh, that's why HTB has been so important to me. You were available to me in ways before we even became friends. I don't know if you even knew that, but you, you are where we started a, a thing with our kids. And it was started... Uh, on a Christmas Eve service at HTB. That was when what started? We what? started this thing. We wrote to every world leader, leader on earth. We just wrote them a letter from our kids and because it seemed like the world was losing its mind. And, and so we said, oh, would you like to come over for a sleepover? Because this was written by my kids at the time. And if you can't come over the sleepover, can we come over to your house and ask you this? What's your hope in? And, and there's something beautiful about that. We sent out the letters all around the world and we got 29 yeses. And so we just pulled the kids out of school. Our first stop was London. Our first stop in London, it was Christmas Eve, HTV. I mean, that was an extraordinary thing. Was it 29 presidents and kings said yes. Is that crazy? <laughs> and interviewed them. I mean, yes. Just say some of the people that you saw. Oh, we started with, uh, there was a guy that had, Tun Mahathir was the prime minister, the leader of Malaysia for so many years. And we had just met with the president of Israel. And this is the kids. These guys don't want to meet with me. These this is the guy like, who was saying yes to your children's letters. And then you yeah, went. sent a letter. I'm telling you, if you're listening, write the letter. <laughs> and so, uh, so we... We asked the president of Israel, what made you say yes? And he said, I was flying back from Europe and we had the mail and my chief of staff opened this up and said, there are three children in San Diego that have written and said, 
Would, would you do an interview with them? And he said, if they'll come to Jerusalem, I'll meet with them. And I think that sometimes we think that people are unavailable to us who are actually available to us. And the same applies with faith. Sometimes it feels like God is far away and he's just waiting for you to just call out his name. And so when uh, Mahathir had the World Islamic Conference and he said two things, death to Israel and death to America. And so our kids wrote and said, hey, we've got a message of hope from the guy from Israel. Can we come and give it to you? <laughs> and Mahatir said, yes. So we sold the pickup truck and we went. And I mean, the way you ran your law firm was a very different way from most people who run their law firm. I'm That's awesome. Yes, we, we, uh, our law firm went for one year at a time. It had an agreement. If you get a bunch of lawyers, could you imagine how big the agreement would be? It was two paragraphs. It says, my, it's my law firm, and it's all over December 31st. And we dissolved that law firm every time December 31st came. So we did that for a quarter of a century. But you also had a resignation letter that you wrote. Yes. Every single, listen to this, every single job on my first day, I write my resignation letter. It's, it would just say two words, I quit. <laughs> I'd put a stamp on it. I'd address it to my new boss and I'd give it to my wife, sweet Maria. And I told her if this job ever gets between me and you or me and Jesus, you mail that thing in. You don't even need to tell me, I'll find out. And there's something beautiful. You might be listening and you might have, have a job that was the perfect job three jobs ago, but you've changed your new creation. When everyone thinks of Bob Goff, they think of love. And this book, Love Does, is uh, all about love. But, but one of the things about it was that you, you made an agreement with the publishers that the royalties, even that the, the royalties up front were going to be given to a school. Yeah, I traded them. They said, would you write a book? I said, I don't know. Will you build a school? I'll trade you. And so uh, when we built the school in Uganda, uh, evidently a lot of books got sold. So then we built our next school in Mogadishu, Somalia, and our next one in Iraq. Uh, the, what we've been working on the last two years, Nikki, we started a school in Afghanistan for little girls that the Taliban won't allow to learn how to read and write. And that just chapped me. And so uh, we started a school where we teach little girls how to read and write. So every couple of months, we're back there visiting. But there's something beautiful about this. I don't think Jesus wants us to go across the ocean. I think he's dazzled when we go across the street. Love your neighbor, like right where you are. And you say, I mean, I love the way you say that's not a metaphor. That's love your, it's your literal neighbor. It is your neighbor. Literally your neighbor, the one there and there and there. And the creepy thing is some of our neighbors are actually kind of difficult. I don't know about yours, but <laughs> mine are a little difficult. But here's the deal. What I'm learning, I'm a little difficult. <laughs> You know, I'm not for everybody. And if you're listening, you're not either. You are not as lovely as you think you are. But that's where this like this idea of faith comes in to say, Jesus, would you take all the rough parts of Bob Goff and would you use me right here in my community to do something beautiful that I couldn't have done myself? Paul talks to Philippians 2.20 says, this guy, Timothy, he takes a genuine interest in the people around him. I think that's what we need as new creations. We could just take a genuine interest and we're going to find what we're looking for. If we're looking for people that need a hug, don't give them one, but 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 find something to do that could meet a need. And and, and as a result of your um, work in Uganda, you became the, 
a concert. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I know I don't. I'm not the U.S. Uh, diplomat to Uganda. I'm the Ugandan diplomat to the U.S. I walk into embassies. They're like, where's the Ugandan guy? I'm like, I'm the Ugandan guy. And there's something beautiful about seeing a country uh, that's just emerged from decades-long civil war and just made tremendous strides forward. So we're really enjoying just trying to be helpful. And one of the things I know that you do is every Thursday, you, you give something up, don't you? I quit something. We call it Quit Thursday. And so every Thursday, I'm like great at accumulating things. I don't know about you. I, I see lots of books you've accumulated in the back of your pictures. <laughs> I know, there. I need to get rid of them. Yeah, I've accumulated <laughs> surfboards, like I'm in California. So well, one of the things that's it's easy to do is to accumulate things. What I want to do is let them go. So each Thursday, I just let one thing go. I've got a thing. I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a little quirky, <laughs> as you probably picked up. Uh, but I have no left pockets in any of my clothes. So I have right pockets in my jeans, no left pockets. I cut them all out. And it's a reminder to me that there's things you're going to hang on to and things you're going to let go of. And what I'm trying to do is quit some things, take some things that I've been carrying around in my right pocket and move them to my left pocket. I mean, I love so many things about you, Bob. But one, one of the things I love you is that you, you talk a lot about failure. I think, in fact, you lecture on how to fail, don't you, somewhere? Oh, heck yeah. I teach a class at Pepperdine Law School, which is one of our good law schools here in the United States. But I also teach a class at San Quentin Penitentiary, which is a really difficult place to be. And I've got several hundred felons in my class, and we just talk about failure. And, uh, and there's something beautiful about the authenticity that comes along with just getting real. And I think what God never had problems with people who had a setback. What he had a problem with is people that were faking it. And they were acting like, they're at, like they've got it together. And I just want to get super real. And these guys are actually my teacher. I, I don't go there to teach. I go there to learn. And we talk about people who get things off their chest. We were actually in the prison yard and they're pumping iron. And we were talking about like, if I was doing that, I'd have the bar across my chest. But I said, what's something you need to get off your chest? And we went around to each guy. The, the average sentence unserved for these guys, 107 years a piece. And so to the guy next to me, he said, I got something to get off my chest. I've been in here for 20 years and I've been telling everybody I got framed. I didn't do it. And he paused a second. He said, I did it. And I'm telling you, Nikki, he was the freest guy I've ever met in that moment. If we could just get these things off our chest, move it from your right pocket to your left pocket, quit Thursday. And you've got some stuff going on in your life you shouldn't be into. Don't wait till Thursday. One of the things where you've had disappointment is I know you, you have this amazing place where you, you bring people together, a kind of retreat, a retreat house, and you spend a lot of time building it. And then it burnt down, didn't it? Or something happened to it? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, we had some painters out there. This is big, uh, this immense lodge, uh, 10,000 square miles away from the nearest anybody in Canada. It took me 20 years to build. And we had some painters up there. They got their cloths 
that were covered in stain. They put them in a pile, spontaneously combusted. It was gone in 20 minutes. And I think for all of us, we've experienced that. It wasn't necessarily a house that burnt down. It might be a, a relationship. It might be a hope, a career. It might be one of your kids, somebody in your community that you love. And we each have to decide, so what are we going to do next? When we face a setback, what do we do next? And so we decided as a family that we were going to rebuild it. So I bought a big crane. I just started swinging logs. It's interesting that how you deal with critics too, because anyone who's got as high a profile as you now have on through your books and through your, your social media profile, which you're brilliant at, uh, you're going to have a lot of uh, out there. There's some, there's some pretty sort of hostile people, but you have an interesting way of dealing with hostile people, don't you? Of, of approaching them, thinking about it. Yeah, you know, if I ever get a tweet or something that somebody is a little bit on edge, I just figure they're probably working on their people skills a little bit. Um, but what I'll do is I'll make myself their student. I'll, uh, I'll go into their feed and read some, let them try to teach me something uh, before I block them. <laughs> it's like a going away party. But, but what if we, instead of feeling like we need to outshout the next person, uh, just it, what it does is it caused me to go back to scripture to say, hey, am I right on this thing? I'm, I'm off all the time. And it's usually just a small increment of a change in your marriage, in your relationships, in your faith. It's about a quarter of a twist that'll get you there. So you care passionately about issues of justice and you do something about them. So say yeah. a little bit about that. Why, why do you feel so passionately about justice issues? I think we're just hardwired from the factory to want justice. I think everybody has that deep desire. You, you know what it feels like to, when somebody is unfair to you, and that is pinging something within each of us. So what I just decided is use what I'm good at. I'm a, I'm a lawyer, so I thought, let's go. We tried the first death penalty case in Uganda against a witch doctor who sacrificed children, which is really, really creepy stuff. But, but I just feel like I don't want to circulate a petition. I actually want to stop. There's no love without justice, but there's no justice without love. Yeah. And right now with the, with the George Floyd uh, murder and so on, um, how, how, what, 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 is, what are you seeing happening in um, oh, the US? People um, are raising their voices as we've all seen on the news and appropriately so. To, to have a passion and to say, this is not happening anymore. But I don't think that it's uh, binary. You talked a, a lot about faith as we've been talking. Just say, what, what difference has faith made for you in your life? And how did you find faith? And what difference has that faith made? What I'm trying to do, Nikki, is plant a vineyard. Because I've just been reading about it my whole life. I don't know anything about grapes. But what I needed to do is clear the brush first. And so I had this brushing machine and I clear all the brush away. You know what's under the brush? The rattlesnakes. <laughs> and I found a couple. Well, one of the things about faith is it helped me kind of clear the brush in my life, some of the distractions, some of the things. And it, God uses really imperfect people to bring us to faith. Well, I was moving my excavator underneath an oak tree. You know what I hit? A beehive. 10,000 bees yesterday landed on the top of my excavator <laughs> with me in it. You know what? There was a door 
and I shut the door. And while all the bees are going crazy, wanting to sting me, I'm on the inside. And what faith also taught me is things that I could shut the door to. I could just say, you know what? I'm, I'm just not going to be doing those things. God didn't die on a cross so we'd behave better. He, he came so we could have the opportunity to shut the door to some things and open the door to others. And what will happen if we clear a little brush in our life? I wonder what we'll find underneath. You'll find some scary stuff, but you're also going to find some good stuff. Brilliant, Bob. Thank you so much. Really oh, blessings good. on you and I your know. family. Jesus be over each one. And uh, just so grateful for the larger church family there, too. You guys stick together. You are bright lights in our life. We are watching you as you guys lead with love. And we're learning a lot. Bob Goff, thank you so, so much.